This is the audio podcast, show 122, post-soccer mute, recorded 15th of July 2014. I am Scott Hewitt. Samuel Freeman is not with us this week, a last-minute ca- cancellation. But have no fear, because Adam Yanch is here. Hello. And yes, I'm here too. Uh, welcome to the audio podcast show 122. Uh, we've got our standard news and a bit of plunder view coming up. And remember, of course, you can listen to the audio podcast and watch the audio podcast. We have uh, audio streams on iTunes, Gpodder, Stitcher. And we have also, we, we basically record video record the show live every week and that is put out on uh, via YouTube or G plus hangouts or whatever it's called and uh, we follow the notes that you can follow too that's um, you can get the notes at the audio podcast.co.uk forward slash show forward slash 122 for this show I think we should get going well First item in the news this week is that Spitfire Audio have announced the release of the BML Trumpet Corps Volume One. BML is the British Music Library, and it's um this is a connect uh, four or five um, compatible sample library which you can use on OS X 10.6 or Windows 7 upwards, and includes a massive collection of trumpet samples. Yeah. Um, and I think they they did a nice job, or tried to do a nice job, recording the trumpet samples as well. Because uh, in our notes here, we've got that it was recorded to a Studer two-inch tape through Neve Air Montserrat preamps. So um, basically, recorded straight to tape and then sampled from there, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, that's correct. Yeah, they claim it is the only sample. It is the only orchestral sample library which is recorded directly to tape, like when it's captured mm. as well. And and it is fair. Yeah. You can listen to some of the, you know, there is some uh, demo demo material they have recorded and that that's been put together by I believe a BBC engineer actually in this for this set for this set here. And it it does sound incredible. I'm saying that the quality of the samples is very good, and they've done a very good job of. Quite often when you hear people making a big deal about stuff being recorded on kind of, you know, that, that sort of sort of equipment, and especially with the idea of to tape, it I think for a lot of people it probably draw kind of gives the idea that this is gonna have like that warm analogy sound and that's like a deliberate thing. But that that isn't actually the case here. That it's it's not, you know, they're not recording to tape to impart a particular tape tape sound, but rather they're importing, you know, rather they're talking about the idea of getting this maximum clarity and Adam Yanch is pulling faces at me, which is very distracting. <laughs> of course, you'll see the faces on the YouTube feed. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I suppose it's a USP of some description, um, but, you know, in the end, if your sample library sounds good, it sounds good no matter how you record it. Uh, and I, it's surprising as well that... Um, it says here that it's only 2448 kilohertz, 24-bit 48 kilohertz rather than 96. So you, I, you don't get the full, if there's not a 96 version, you don't get the full, like, tape sound, I suppose. But uh, anyway, there you go. If you need some, um, some military-sounding trumpets, this might be your sample library. Now, Scott, 
remember last week we had an amazing show with all sorts of stuff in it. We actually uh, mentioned probably twice the chew knobs, um, these little knobs that stick onto touch screens and allow you to control controls directly on them, which is cool. They had a Kickstarter and we spoke to um, Samuel Verberg about the whole project. He, he's the guy who's basically behind the project. Uh, and we can, we can say today on the audio podcast that not only did Tuninobs easily get to their funding, they're currently at least twice, you know, they, they've gone double over their funding uh, uh, deadline, not deadline, target. And um, also they're offering some extra stuff through the Kickstarter. So uh, that's to try and get more people on board before the Kickstarter finishes, I suppose. So what what they're offering is for everybody who gets in on the Kickstarter now, you'll get a free uh, Stage Taken template. Uh, now, uh, Stage Taken are the company behind TouchOSC on mobile devices and Lemure, the Lemure app, um, which continues, like the, the app. That, that continues to be able to read Lemure base levels. So you will get a free one of those, and they have them available for most m most systems which have the ability to be remotely controlled by a touch by a touchscreen device. So there's um, live ones, logic ones, Pro Tools ones, and stuff like that as well. So they got that's just a little extra one. I, it was incredible to see they got funded in 21 hours. At the same point, I think we called it that they were going to get funded very quickly because they were. Yeah. It was. It's a great product, and it's an incredible price. So well, oh, no, usually we, if we should, something we we should stymie that actually it has the it has the potential to be a great product and it is at a great price which is the right sort of thing for a Kickstarter episode for a Kickstarter definitely that kind of combination of those two things so exactly I, I think we, those uh, guys and if you want to you can go back and in the podcast feed or on YouTube to show one two one two one and you can have a listen to the interview which we do at the beginning of the show. Yeah, easy. You don't have to listen to us waffle through the news and everything. You can listen to the interview straight away. And of course, um, you and I both received this, uh, this, the, well, the announcement of this product independently. So I suppose that kind of shows how. I mean, you're pretty, you're pretty well wired in because you pick up the news every week for the audio podcast, and I, I sometimes pick the odd thing up here and there. But I think that shows how how much potential that product has and how much it's. Oh, pardon me. How how much it's spread over the internet and how how well they've done promoting their their product. So yep, you can head to their Kickstarter as well. It's still running. It's still got what three weeks left. So you can get uh, good deals. You can get single tuner knobs. You can get packs of three, packs of six. I think packs of ten. Yeah, pretty good. Okay, um, on to another. Uh, knobby type of hardware, and I'll tell you what, as a as a piece of hardware, this looks amazing. This is the uh, Modulus zero uh, zero two keyboard, uh, which is an analog digital hybrid polysynth, and it's um, is it is it made in the UK? Well, um, Modulus is a UK based company. They're actually in the Bristol area, and much noise about this product has been made on the fact that it is the first. Analog is the first kind of actual physical synth which has been designed in the UK, and a couple of things were suggested it might have been built here. I wouldn't want to go. I haven't seen 
a, a certain a statement of certainty about that, which would allow me to say that's what it is. Done that, but I actually think, to be honest, that that is um, that is missing the cool feature of this product. Actually, the fact that it's designed in the UK is a very, you know, I mean, like it's, yeah, you know, I know why that might, you know, there's a British synth making heritage, isn't there? I guess which is, which is important. Oh yeah, you know, which dates. To but the it's 60s. been a, it's been a while though, hasn't it? It's been a while but, since the, the UK have had a, a like a flag. I mean, this is a flagship device as well. It looks amazing, and it costs a lot of money. If you go to their website, it's like three grand before taxes. So it's like it's a big, a, a big thing. But usually, with a big price tag these days, you get incredible quality. So, um, I mean, what what does it have? What okay, even so. This is actually, this is actually what I think are the cool features of this, of, of this kind of thing. Because when when I first read the release on this, I was like, oh, if this is just a story of another kind of random synth, and it just happens that the person who designed it was sitting in a building in Bristol, then we're probably not going to run this very. Well. We're probably not run this or run it as a small item. But what it actually is an anal- it's an analog digital hybrid polysynth. So it's 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 a polysynth. So you know, you, you get multiple, multiple nodes there, a lot of polyphony, up to up to 12 discrete voices of polyphony. But the really cool feature is that what they've done is it is analog hardware being controlled by a digital interface. Now, for a lot of people, they might be thinking, well, I don't quite get what that, what that means. Well, what's going on is you have all the analog control that you would normally expect to have, all continuous control, like a whole loads of dials, loads of knobs. This is a dial and a knob for a thing. It's not a 20 menu drop down kind of option but while you're when you're doing those manipulation while you're doing those manipulations you're actually getting you're actually interfacing for a digital control system that does that so it means that you can actually control the product actually has a touch screen interface as well which allows you to get further into it for even more control and it also has uh, ethernet connectivity on it as well as the kind of standard midi connectivity as well so what really interested me about this is this is an this is a kind of analog sounding analog sounding analog generating synth of a kind of mm. of a, an appropriate sort of British heritage, but taking all of the kind of great developments in synthesis design and wrapping them all into this product as well. So you'll have the ability to rather than you know one of the big problems I've always said well one of the big problems I've always perceived when I work with one of like a kind of an older sort of synth an order synth is that you often end up having to make your own patch you know you, you have to program your own patch but not only that you have to then also write down the details of the patch because there's no way of saving the patch whereas yeah. this is the kind of product where you can set it up however you want to and then it will actually save the setup that you have and allow you to route between them so you, you can recall parameters of it and i suspect you'll be able to even do automation of it because all of the my understanding is that all of the analog controllers, all what all the analog controllers you do, what they actually do is interface with the control system, which then interfaces with the analog electronics. So, ah, there you that, go. Does that make sense? So it's like it's digital electronics controlling an analog electronic synth, which yeah, although gives you all what, the richness of analog with all of the control of digital. But does does de- analog digital hybrid mean that it also has digital some digital oscillators as well, or it has some? It's like got digital envelopes or <clears throat> some I, element of digitalness in the in the sound um, flow somewhere. I'm 
I'm not sure. I, I, I'm tempted to say I don't think so actually, just because of the fact that there are there's lots of. If it is digitally emulated synths, then they're on very shaky territory. If it is di digitally emulated oscillators, oh, no, no, that that's not no, that's not what I mean. I mean it'll have analog oscillators for wave shapes, but it'll also have digital oscillators for things like uh, wave tables or little samples or you know that kind of thing. So it, it's not pretending to be analog. It is analog, but there are certain parts in the system flow which. Mm, might be digital as well. I mean, that's when someone says digital uh, analog digital hybrid to me. I I feel like it's either what you were kind of explaining before, digital control of analog components, but there might also be some digital components in there. And you know what? There are some reasons that having digital components is good because digital is quick. You get access to things like. Um, proper FM synthesis, you get access to things like um, wave tables and these kinds of things. So I suppose it depends how the, the sound engine is all uh, organized for this one. Now, if you have a look at the picture, if you head to the audiopodcast.co.uk forward slash show forward slash 122, you can see a picture of the modulus. And right next to the screen to the left, you can see a little number pad and I'm wondering if that's like a telephone keypad, so that you're you're so into your synthesis and playing and synthesizing and all of this stuff that you can actually dial for a pizza right there from the interface of the keyboard. Now that would be innovation. That would be indeed. We are um, we're, we're hopeful that we may have somebody we may have somebody from the modulus music team uh, come on the show in the near future. We're we're in the process of trying to set an interview up because. This product was kind of rumored a while ago, only actually press release announced, only actually available and announced today. So um, it wasn't practical to get somebody on the show for today, but hopefully we'll get somebody on the show in the next couple of weeks to tell us a little bit more about it and to, to make sure we got it exactly right. Because I couldn't even find a manual, though I wouldn't have had time to read it, actually. So <laughs> <laughs> That's the things that the audio podcast does for you. We read manuals of products that we don't have. <laughs> That's what we do. That's, oh, well, I think some other people do that too. Now, um, going to something that's a bit more straightforward, a microphone for iPhone 5. And this is made by Rode, so it'll have Rode quality. It's called the iXY. And it's a stereo microphone that bolts onto the bottom of the device. I guess it plugs directly into the lightning connector on the bottom and allows Indeed. you to record... Uh, XY stereo um, and up to 2496 um, quality audio. So there's a, a nice little thing. Do we know how much this costs? Um, I haven't seen a price on it yet, actually. Um, I I don't tend to look for prices. I have to be perfectly 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 honest in that sort of respect. I don't don't tend to look for the prices though. But this is essentially a update of the 18-pin connector version of this of, of the iXY. So this is the lightning port version of it as well. And it should also be noted that uh, Rode have taken the opportunity to release an update for Rode Rec and Rode Rec LE for um, iOS as well, which are their recording devices. They've had a minor update to, well, essentially to recognize the fact that there is now a lightning port version of their iOS recorder available, so people are much more likely to be using it on iPhone 5s now as well. Sweet. 
Now the I the the Lightning version of the IXY is 169 uh, pounds, 169 pounds, uh, 299 dollars, and 220 euros. That actually seems like it's a pretty decent buy for the UK market then, considering how much things tend to cost across uh, the currencies. So yeah, yeah there you and go. And it's a good. I I haven't decided how I feel about these products to be honest yet, which has a. I'm just trying to find. Which, which has some which also I suppose. Which I'm not. I'm still not sold entirely on on this idea because the problem I have with my smartphone is really simple: is that it never has battery in it. That's like that, that's my number one smartphone complaint. I think most people are the same. It never has never has battery in it, and as a consequence, while this is a great idea, like I could see myself having you know I I'm not an iPhone user, but I could see myself having a product like this and carrying it around with me all the time and being pretty happy and using it all the time. At the same point, I would need my I, my smartphone to actually have some battery to do that. And as a consequence, I've always, as most of our regular listeners will know, um, I tend to carry a um, task um, an RO5 around with me instead, most of the time. But I'm still interested in this as a product. I think it's a cool it's a cool idea. And obviously, Rode have that kind of heritage, in particularly in the video world. And there were a few illustrations of people who were holding who had this attached to you know, kind of DSLR cameras that don't have proper microphone inputs, of which there's quite a few of those. So you could see how you could combine the two things together quite effectively. Um, you know. Well, yeah, I think, I mean, the thing is, this is actually a quality, you know, it'll have quality components in it. So if you know you're going to be going out and recording using it, you can always take your phone charger with you and, and charge the phone up in between recordings or this kind of thing. Does it have a lightning port through port on it so that you can also charge while recording, or is it um, I, one of those? I don't think so, but I, I don't know for certain, but I, I don't believe so. Because I think, I, I suppose, it, I, I, an iPhone charger may be lighter than a, a separate stereo recorder, so there might be a benefit in there. But it depends, again, how, how much you use your phone and... Uh, and if you feel like you're going to run out of power, that kind of thing. But, you know, it's it's an option, and it's good to see that there are high-quality microphone options for the mobile devices. Sounds not cool. Um, let, let's, let's move on. Let's move Indeed, on. So, and... so, so this is a Splice have, um, have announced the, the intention to uh, support LogicX and uh, 3D Loop Studio. Not only that, they now actually have a testing phase available as well. So if you're in, if you're already involved with Splice, then you'll find that you have the ability to start doing those things. Um, I think it's important for me to stress that there are a whole collection of caveats as to things you can't, things that are a little bit problematic because this is still a testing phase. So you probably don't want to work with anything mission critical inside LogicX or, or FreeLoop Studio right now, but it's certainly at a point where you can have a look at what it's going to offer. And you can even kind of feedback. Here are some problems that still exist in terms of what's what's working with it as well. Uh, but Scott, what is Splice? I'm just gonna get there. So Splice is um, it's really interesting. It is a if you imagine a if you imagine Dropbox and some sort of like kind of SoundCloud orientated around door sessions. So the idea is that you back up your entire door session in. Um, originally designed for live, but there is LogicX and Free Loop Studio support on, on, on track now. Um, mm -hmm. you, you can upload the whole session into, um, 
you, you upload the whole session online and then it's backed up and you can sync it between multiple computers, but then you can also opt to make the session available as well so other people can download the session as well. And essentially you get it completely. Uh -huh. It comes down completely. Now this isn't an interchange. You can't go, here's my live session and now it's in 3D, 3D loops or logic. That isn't the intention at all. It is, you can sync sessions intelligently between devices, between, you know, kind of devices and also mm -hmm. serve up for a session, a version of it as well. So when I chatted over to a couple of people, a lot of people said to me, well, that just seems like a fairly pointless service to which I thought I was, I was kind of, I challenged them on that actually, because from a lot of my kind of lecturing work that people know that I do, one of the big problems that my, one of the big problems that I have with a lot of students is that they fail to successfully hand in a copy of all of their, you know, like a copy of the whole session. They forget to hand in the preset files or they forget to hand in a sample or something like that. And splice strikes me as the kind of thing which is probably going to make that much easier. <laughs> but then in something like Logic, if you're if you do the right thing when you set up your sessions, everything really should it we live in a in a time now where hard drive space is ample, so really you shouldn't be linking to references of files or to references of sample libraries. You should probably just be making sure that they're all saved within the session folder. Or, I mean, that's easy for me to say though, because I, 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 you know, I only tend to have a few EXS24 sample libraries there, and they're not that big, and they're probably some that are huge and will make a session like two gigs large or something crazy like that. Well, you, you could imagine I, I think... if, if somebody's loaded up an entire set of like. If somebody's using the best part of the entire v Vienna Symphonic inside the session, then you're looking at kind of, you know, 20 or 30 gig as a kind of thing. Mm. So while I understand how does, like, how does Splice handle that, though? Well, that's interesting because I suspect that they – I'd be interested to see how, how they're doing that. I know the solution that I've always thought to this problem, but obviously I've, I've never implemented in this perhaps what they've done instead in this kind of plugin, this kind of architecture idea, which I think is a really good idea, is to is to do an analysis and to say, you know, what notes are played and therefore which parts of this do I need. But there's a distribution mm -hmm. question probably kicking in there as well, which is that you probably don't have, you don't buy the right to share. Very few sample libraries come with the right to share your sample library as you feel, to share their sample library as you feel like it. That's yeah, that's that's true. Maybe well, that's probably just because this kind of service hasn't existed before. So, um, so it it requires a rethink. Another way they could do it, splice the the splice people could do it, is by actually coming up, going up to the sample makers and saying, well, for the large libraries and saying, can we host versions of your sample library? On our servers, and and therefore, it, if someone has that sample library in their project, you're actually just going to link to the one they already have, and they don't have to ha have multiple versions of the same sound library on their servers. They just have one, and uh, that's how the mega upload um, service used to work. Yeah, um, it would just if multiple users had the same file. They'd only keep one version on the server, and anyway, let's not get into complications here. 
One thing that I found confusing is if you go to the notes, the audiopodcast.co.uk forward slash show forward slash one two two, and you go down to the splice, the splice story. There's a picture of a meter, uh, a kind of uh, interface effect, uh, um, uh, uh, like an AU effect underneath, and I thought that was to do with splice, but that is actually our next story which is there's an update to the DK Technologies T7 meter. Yeah. Um, so this is, I, I guess, far more for, for broadcast, maybe of interest to broadcast, uh, or kind of more, I guess, enterprise would be the phrase we'd use if we were covering more general tech sort of field things. But the DK T7 meter has been updated. It now includes loudness automation as a free of charge software update to all existing and future users. And essentially what the update allows you to do is to use empty time code to establish loudness averages and values over the previous four hours. So um, this has a lot to do with things like um, CALM, the CALM Act and stuff, and, and this kind of these kind of legislations and guidelines that are being introduced, where essentially you can run, ev run all of the audio out, you run all of the audio through this physical device, and it will tell you what the average level it will give you readings on what the average levels have been and what the median and the mode power readings have been over the, that four-hour period now. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a cool little it's a cool product, but it's a cool product for a very for a kind of niche part of our audience, if that makes sense. So, it's, um, but it's still, it has that news has a home here on the audio podcast. Indeed, so for sure. And, and with that, we've made it to the end of the news. Hooray! There we go. We, we, we've made it to the end of the news. Um, yeah, that's cool. I'm, I'm going to just quickly uh, pre-skip ourselves, but next week on the audio podcast, we're going to have a review. Yes. And there it goes, just passing by. Yeah. Those people who are listening to the audio-only version, uh, our friends at IK Multimedia have sent uh, sent me an iRig voice. It is bright yellow. Um, there we go. We will, we will have a review of that next week. We may actually even have multiple reviews next week. Next week could be a mammoth show, so we may end up... I'm going to review that next week, though. I've decided that. There you go. I like to feel that I am a, an edit, editor in charge amongst equals. How about that? That's it. <laughs> I, uh, Sam did the last one, and I did the one before that, so you're trying to catch up. Yes, indeed so. <laughs> but that's fine. That's fine. Um and, of course, it might be a mammoth show next week, and it was a bit of a mammoth show this week, but... Uh, sorry, last week. But this week, it should be fairly straightforward because now we're in the plunder. Indeed we are, the plunder. And we begin the plunder, arg, with a little bit of through the keyhole. Whoa. Whoa. So hyperallergenic had the opportunity to listen to a performance and have a brief tour of the Parisian home of Pierre Honoré, who, yeah, was, uh, who people will know, perhaps people will know as being one of the early pioneers of music concrete. Indeed. And uh, I'm surprised, I, I was reading it and I was like, oh wow, is Pierre Henri still alive? I believe like, he's 87. Wow, wow. Oh, it's, it's younger than I thought. Well, that's really good because, um, you know, his seminal work with Pierre Schaeffer was in the 40s and the 50s. So, you know, that was a long time ago. 
and it's it's good work as well. Uh, you know, there are some uh, there are some kind of acousmatic things which are, are much harder to listen to, but there's a, a lovely innocence and kind of straightforwardness to the Henri Schaefer work. Uh, and this is a nice little article. Basically, it shows some of the are they sculptures in the there are lots of photographs in the article of, uh, like, they look like sculptures of some kind, maybe things used to make sound, but... I'm, I'm not really sure. I have, I have no idea at all, but it was, it was very interesting. It's, it's, it's an interesting, you know, I thought it was very interesting, and I wanted, you know, I think people will find it interesting. It's, it, it's always fascinating from a... From a research point of view, I often think it's always fascinating, isn't it, to be able to humanize the subject, and, and this is a great opportunity. So for anybody who is, you know, I know we have a lot of listeners who are kind of do have done music tech and stuff like that and things, and you know, who are studying music tech or electronic music and things like that. And for those kind of, for anybody in that sort of thing, here's an opportunity to see a very humanized kind of version of, of you know, Pionry, which hopefully, you know, which may help, you know, your understanding of that era or that the understanding of that person. If that makes sense. So I thought it was cool. Indeed. You know, I thought it was definitely worth, definitely, definitely worth, definitely worth plunderizing, as I have done. And um. And finally, Adam, you have a you you have a plunder item which I am has that kind of classic kind of clickbaiting headline to it, which includes everybody in the world. Well, yeah, I mean, basically. Um, following on from uh, all of our Tuna Knobs uh, talk that we've had over this week and last week, um, I spotted this interesting thing on Kickstarter. Uh, it is called a Dubstein, and it's made by a company uh, called Dubgear, and it's basically a flask with a Bluetooth speaker built into it. Very simple idea. So you can put in your hot or cold drink, you can uh, go out, have a picnic, and you've got your stereo with you there in your flask. Way! And also, you can take out the the cup part that would put the drink the, that you'd put the drink in, and you can put a bottle or uh, a, another kind of receptacle in in the thing. So, I mean, what else could could you want? What else could you want? Yes. What else could you want? This I mean, is. Go on, Scott. Go on. This for me. Well, I'm I'm kind of leaving the product behind here, to be perfectly honest. But this for me is the continuation of the problem which began with stereo speakers on mobile phones, but existed <laughs> before that point. It's it's like the moment when HTC were like, "Hey, we have the HTC One, and we're going to have some Beats stereo speakers on it, so now people can play their music loudly to annoy you on the bus." Rather than just very loudly through their headphones to annoy you on the bus, and this is like th this product continues this fine, fine kind of method of, you know, sharing your music intentionally, in a way that's really annoying and inevitably doesn't sound great. <laughs> intentionally amongst people who don't want to hear it. Yeah. Um, what I was wondering was Sorry. whether um, so the problem the the main problem I see with this product is. You've got your drink, you've got your music playing out, and then when you take your drink, you know, you're moving the speaker. So I'm hoping that it's got some 
some accelerometers in there that can tell how fast it's moving, at what angle it's at, and that will apply a psychoacoustic process to the audio going up the speaker to make it sound like the thing hasn't moved. Otherwise, you're going to be getting Doppler effect all over the shop. But if you consider consider the the fact that it's called the Dubstein, you know, getting those nice kind of filter, those big filter sweeps and kind of re resonant changes as you're, you know, it, perhaps we're perhaps <laughs> we're completely missing the point of this product here. This is a maybe this is a performance you, product. Exactly, this is a performance product that allows you to add your own unique individualized filter <laughs> movements to the music you're listening oh. to. If only they were listening to this episode of the Audio Podcast, and they could put that into their into their Kickstarter spiel. So the the Dubstein, uh, it's the Kickstarter ends on the twenty third of July, which is, if I'm not mistaken, next Wednesday, and can be had for one hundred and twenty nine Canadian dollars, which uh, around is around seventy seventy five pounds. So. If that's your thing, that's your thing. Yay! Awesome. There we go. With that, we have made it to the end of this week's plunder. Way. And to the end of this week's show. Oh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There we go. So that concludes the audio podcast show one, two, two, post soccer mute. Don't forget, if you want to read the show notes, you can find them at theaudiopodcast.co.uk slash show slash one, two, two. And you can get the show, um, well, you can always find the show on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, and G-Potter, and YouTube. But if you, uh, if, you, if you wish, why not hit subscribe, and then the episode will magically arrive on your device of choice, ready for your listening pleasure, which, you know, which might... Who could want anything else? And, and, precisely, and through the summer, it's actually a good idea, because there's already been a thing that appeared on the podcast on the feeds that didn't that wasn't a live show and wasn't announced as a show. So, you know, we put lots of little extras on. We'll probably do more and more of that, I think, as time goes on. So, there we go. Ah, that was it. There we go. That's been fine. So, um, yeah, there we go. Scott, good show. Scott. Good show. Yeah, I've, I've been Scott here. I've had a great show. This, is, this has been a blast for me, Adam. I've had a great show. I've been Scott Hewitt. I've been Adam Yanch, and hopefully Sam Freeman should be joining us again next week. Uh, we should have a review, or maybe even two next week, and yeah, why not come and join us? Indeed so, and this has been All About Audio.